Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your presence here with us today as you are with us each step of the way on our life journey. Help us to rejoice in all that you have given to us, to give thanks for all that we know you will still give to us through your steadfast love and mercy. Now let my words and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord, and to you alone. Amen. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, says Philippians 4. Paul does more than just admonish the believers in Philippi to stay committed to their Christian faith and then leave it at that. He shows them how to do it. Paul calls the Philippians, and therefore us, to an action, stand firm in the Lord. And then in the next verses, he tells us how it should be done in this way. And this is not a to-do list. This is not a self-help book. This is an invitation to a new way to flourish in life and in ministry, to transform our churches and our prayer lives, our thoughts, our witness to others, as we put our trust in a God who loves us. Paul relates to us by using real people, and he names two workers for the gospel who are struggling, who are in conflict. Be of the same mind, Paul urges, recommit to follow my example. From Philippians 3, Paul had said, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. We're not left to our own devices to figure out how to stand firm in the Lord but surrounded by other believers. So Paul calls on the community in Philippi not to abandon these women, but to help them to remain committed in their faith. And we too, when we see a brother or sister in Christ whose faith is lagging, we shouldn't abandon them or dismiss them, but encourage them and come alongside them. When we don't have the strength to pray for ourselves, we entreat others to pray on behalf of us. We need the body of Christ to uphold us in our Christian faith and strengthen us in our collective witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot go it alone. Paul calls us to stand firm in the joy that we first received and experienced in God. We rejoice in the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, Rejoice that we can even go to God in prayer. We have the privilege of a close relationship, friends, with the God of the universe. God is not distant or aloof. He is right here with us, desiring to be with us, desiring to hear our prayers and petitions. The road of life you are on right now may be difficult, even distressing or threatening, and it may be hard to imagine rejoicing over anything. This is not a mere platitude from Paul. 
This is a well-earned right, born of experience and testing that leads Paul to say, rejoice always in God. For he writes this particular letter from prison, and very likely he will be executed. He doesn't know. It's an uncertain situation. But Paul is not anxious because he knows that God is with him just as God has been with him in other trials. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. We rejoice in the Lord in our circumstances, not necessarily about them. In 4.13, Paul writes, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Christ, who gives me strength. That is the secret. Jesus gives us the strength to endure whatever comes our way. Jesus gives us strength to experience joy in the midst of suffering. To rejoice in the Lord is not positive thinking. It's not prosperity gospel. It's not just grin and bear it. It's not just merely cope. To rejoice in the Lord is to experience his abundant life for you, no matter what your current circumstances are. We rejoice now because we remember the times in the past when God faithfully provided for us and we trust that he will do so again, because that is who God is. He is loving, merciful, trustworthy, and faithful. There is no one else in our lives who can provide what God can provide for us. Stand firm in the gentleness of Christ, Paul encourages the Philippians to live in the spirit of gentleness, which will then be their witness to each other and to the world outside their church. To lead by gentleness is often in direct contrast to how culture usually wants us to lead. So we consider Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is our example of gentleness. Paul encourages these disciples to hold on to the gentleness of Christ and make it evident to all. And we, too, can choose gentleness with one another in the name of Jesus as our witness to the world and a vision for our church. Let our gentleness with one another encourage others. Come to our church, let it say. Come through our doors and into our sanctuary. Worship with us. Meet the Lord of gentleness and humility who offers much-needed rest for our souls. Meet him here. Paul admonishes us, stand firm in the nearness of the Lord. 
In the birth of Jesus, God has come close. In a new and profound way, we experience God seeking us, coming to us, caring for us. We rejoice that God is not far away and hard to reach. Whatever life journey we are on, whatever struggle we experience, whether we find ourselves today in a good place or a not-so-good place, the Lord is near. That is Emmanuel, God with us. Returning to Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me in prayer. You who are weary from worrying about your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your jobs, from worrying about a lonely loved one or a friend, your own health, from worrying about feeling discouraged and struggling with self-esteem or worth. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Come to me in your loneliness, in your fear about the future, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Give everything to me in prayer, and I promise to give you my rest, to give you my peace, to give you myself. Do not be anxious about anything. Philippians 4, 6 is perhaps the most, if not one of the most, searched for Bible verses. And we can imagine why. There are a lot of things in our personal lives and in the world at large to be anxious about. Do not be anxious about anything does not minimize what we are going through. But it is also not just a sweet suggestion from Paul nor is it a criticism. It is intended as an encouragement, a comfort, a reassurance that God is with us, and in Christ Jesus we find strength and perseverance. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What good news that is for us today. Do not be anxious about anything is an imperative with a promise. A promise of God's peace. It is an invitation from Jesus to come to him with our burdens and be anxious for nothing because the Lord's with us. But in every situation by prayer and petition, bring to the Lord our requests, make them known to him. Anxiety, I've read, is uh, sometimes described as the great peace stealer. I might even add that it is often the great sleep stealer. Awake in the middle of the night, we may find our minds churning with all sorts of things to worry about. And prayer can redirect our minds and thoughts towards God. And the more we turn to God, the more we find his rest and his peace. Last week, in fact, I did wake up in the middle of the night, and all sorts of thoughts started circulating in my head, and I sat up and I remembered, oh, I'm preaching on this next Sunday. So I thought, dear friends, I'm in this with you. I, too, am striving to stand firm in the Lord, in my prayer life. Likewise, I visited a friend in the hospital last week, and he spoke of singing hymns as prayers when he wakes up in the middle of the night. Through them, he finds God's perfect peace and rest, so we sang together. 
Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Praying, petitioning, thanking, they're simultaneous. Even as I am asking for something from the Lord, I am thanking the Lord. As I pray for one concern in the future, I remember to thank God for what he has already done in the past. We are not just to thank God when we feel like it, right? But also when we really don't feel like it. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians. Thankfulness is not always automatic, especially in suffering and grief. Thankfulness requires our intention and repetition. New mercies we see from God every day. Let's give thanks for them. Paul insists that we give thanks in everything, in joyful days of answered prayer, and in all those ordinary days when life is going along just fine, so that we know how to be thankful in our hardest days. I traveled with World Vision a few years ago to Zambia, Africa, and we visited many communities and one called Chikambuso, which means, I will not forget you. It is from Isaiah 49, 15, just as a mother cannot forget her child, neither does the Lord forget his children. Now, Chikambuso is a refuge, a community of women and children who have been ravaged by disease, poverty, and death of their loved ones. When we arrived, they came out dancing and singing to greet our van. They were so delighted to see us. It brought us so much joy. And then we gathered in their worship space. And the women took turns sharing their testimonies that were then translated for us. The last to speak was a thin, young, very sick woman. Her story did not have the possibility of a hopeful ending. And when she was done speaking, we were all in tears. And then the worship leader said something. She said, it's time to worship God again and thank him for all he's done for us. Frankly, I was stunned. Singing thanks to God after this young woman's desperate testimony didn't seem like the right response. I wanted to cry out with the psalmist, how long, Lord? How long will you forget her? How long will you hide your face from her? But then I remembered. Psalm 13 begins, how long, Lord? How long? And ends with, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. The women of Chikambuso, like Paul, 
didn't give thanks to God because everything was perfect or easy or because they'd been healed or their prayers had been answered. They gave thanks because they believed that when they cried out, how long, Lord, how long, that the Lord was near to them and that his love sustained them. The gift that comes from standing firm in the Lord and bringing every fear, anxiety, and need to him without hesitation is the matchless peace of God that we experience, that Paul writes about in Philippians 4, 7. God's peace transcends all understanding, not because it's a peace that makes no sense, but because our minds, even with all our Bible knowledge or spiritual maturity, can never produce it. The promise of peace is only God's giving and God's making. So Paul calls us to practice the example that he has set before us, the example that he learned from Jesus. So it is the example from Jesus to us. And in practicing Paul's way, we will experience the God of peace with us. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. Paul has shown us how to grow in our faith and remain committed in the gospel, in our church, and in our individual lives. And that is having joy in the Lord and gentleness with one another, accepting God's invitation to give all of our anxiety to him in prayer and with thanksgiving, and from that, we are promised the presence of God's perfect peace. May that be good news for each one of us today. Stand firm in the Lord. Do not be anxious for God, for he is with us. I'd like to share this song with you as I close my sermon. <clears throat> Always been faithful to me.
trial or a pain. He did not recycle to bring me gain. I can't remember one single regret in serving God only and trusting his hand. All I have need of, his hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. God will be faithful for each one of you as he has always been. Let us respond singing together hymn number 463, Stand as you are able, like a river glorious. Mm -hmm. 